No, it sounds good. I mean, like the 7B is such a good mic for uh, talking. Yeah, it's great. I yeah. see a lot of like the TikTok artists and stuff using these too. Not that I like follow TikTok and you know all that, but like I'll see once in a while on Instagram reels or whatever, the people who do like um those like, if you just broke up with somebody, this song's for you. And then they start singing into a mic. Yeah. I see a lot of them using these mics. Yeah. Like the, the Sheryl from 7B, I think is what they did Thriller on. Um, like Michael Jackson's thriller. Really? Yeah. And I, or so I've been told. So if that's bullshit, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure like if it's good enough for Michael Jackson, it's good enough for me. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. And to be honest with you, like for it being such a nice mic, it's not that much money. No, 300 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Like you'll see this in every studio yeah. wherever you go just really? because it's such a great mic. Sweet. And, um, compared to like other like condenser mics, they sound tangy where this is like a dynamic microphone and it just sounds really, it sounds really flat. So you can do a lot with it yeah. after you record. And that's why a lot of people like it. And you can use it for like literally everything. You can use it for vocals, guitar, drums, whatever you want to do. Damn. And it just sounds good. Like just sounds great. So. I like how it makes my voice sound a little bit more manly than it is in, per- in real oh, life. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the greatest like, part for me. But, um, okay. So What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Counter Culture Podcast. This is my buddy, Stephen Pitzel. How's it going? Good, good, good. Um, I've no- How long have we known each other for? Years. At least 10 years. Yeah, at least 10 years for sure. Well, like, I think the first time I ever like knew who you were was from Tony's band. Or you, got, you and Tony had a band. Yeah. Because I would talk with Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Just for tonight. Yes. Didn't you have yeah. a band with Tony? No, um, but like all the guys in my band, Mechanical Kids, did like right before. Oh, with hours waiting, right? Yep. 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 That's so right. Tom and like the first show I ever played, Tony was screaming. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So the first time I ever saw like Tom Carrillo and Tony and Fergie and Mike Severson, like and Jack, like those are that was the first show I ever played. In those. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, my introduction to the scene was pretty much that. Okay. So, what um, fuck, dude, I I don't want to mess this up. Because I actually did listen to your band before the band that you were in. You were in a pop punk band. What was it called again? Say by Stereo. Yeah, yeah, dude. You guys had. I'm. I'm not lying. And I'm not just saying this to gas you up. You guys actually had like really good music. Oh, that's that a lot, man. Thanks. Yeah, I was. I remember listening to you guys, and I thought that you guys had been like a signed band already. Oh no, we actually. Um, we wrote all those songs and did that first album when we were 15, 16. Out here, actually, in Hubertus, with wow. a guy named Joel Wanasek. Okay. And Joel is the reason why those songs sound so good. He was, what was his uh, studio name? Um, he did it out JTW. of his house, right? Yeah, JTW. Yeah. yeah, yeah. for the longest time, he was just in his parents' basement. Like, he oh. quit his job and just believed in himself and bought a bunch of gear and yeah. just went to work. That's sick. And yeah, he recorded, like, a ton of metal bands, mm-hmm. but he did record a few pop punk bands, and we heard one of them. And uh, we were like, wow, I didn't even know he did this. These sound dope. Yeah. Let's try him out. And then, yeah, Joel pretty much taught me and all those guys, and two of which now are full-time, um, and I was for a long time too, uh, like how to record, how to produce, and like basically studio, like how to come to the studio prepared. So I owe a lot to Joel. Yeah. And um, there's nothing but nice things to say about him. But yeah, that first band, we recorded that first album when we were like 16. That's crazy. Of, yeah, a bunch of teens. Wow, dude. Yeah. And music was so different back then, too. Crazy. Yeah. It was just warp Tour scene. Yeah. That was cool. 
Yeah. You know? And then I when, still think it's cool. It's dope. It's dope <laughs> as hell. Yeah, yeah. That's what we grew up on. And it was just so, such a cool environment, too, and a cool, like, space to, I want to say, like, just uh, be creative. And, like, I don't know, going to shows was special. It was special. There was, like, something in the air back then with music. It wasn't yeah. just like, hey, Google, stop the music. Sorry about that. It wasn't, um, like, now I feel like everybody's just making music to kind of blow up. But, like, back then there was something, like, you could, like, feel the shit that people were saying about, you know? Even if yeah. the lyrics weren't super tight, if they weren't great, you could just, like, feel the emotion. Yeah. And I love that. I always, like, say, like, and this isn't to, like bring the the mood down or the pod down or anything but i always feel like depressed or like drug addict artists or like you know people that like really go through shit are the best artists not because of always the way that they story tell but the way they story tell through emotion yeah if you've had a lot of pain it builds a lot of character mm -hmm. and you can heal it like or he heal it hear it or like both of those yeah real recognizes real exactly too you can kind of smell when a rat or like i've heard it described like that or what I'm trying to say is you can hear when there's a genuine feeling in yeah. the song, even if it's just piano or just guitar. But yeah, when you when you marry that with, you know, the right lyrics and melody and that shit comes out. Um, yeah, it's just real. Yeah. And it feels tangible versus when you listen to something that's not as thoughtful and or maybe it was made commercially just for a certain purpose, which is fine. Yeah. But yeah, there is a lot of great songs that came out of that era like that era when we were i don't know just coming into high school and yeah then 14 up, to 18 yeah it was awesome yeah plus it was exciting too because it was a whole new genre of music mm -hmm. was being made yeah. and a whole scene and when we were kids promoting was going to like high school and handing out flyers everything was like on the ground footwork yeah which was super cool and it's not marketing. done today anymore yep um as like not nearly as much if at all yeah. So it was just awesome to go to a show and have a local band be able to bring 300, 400 kids into one room together. And that was the cool thing to do. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. And it was inspiring and awesome to be a part of it. And I'm happy I experienced it like yeah. you did too. It was just a cool ass time. It was like you got a sense of community before social media happened. You know oh, what totally. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was where you went to go on like a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I tell kids that all the time. I'm like, dude, when I was your age, because I train a lot of kids, right? But um, I'm like, when I was your age, sounding like an old dude, we were at like a venue Friday, Saturday night. And that's the only thing that we were doing was just like going and hitting those places and fucking listening to music, throwing our fists around and shit, you know, having yep. fun. Um, but anyway, the, the way that I like to start this podcast with people, at least that I know, um, is I like to give them their flowers, right? So I just like give you, pay you a compliment, something that you've like affected me in some sort of way in my life. Steve is somebody that I, I always pay attention to people, right? People that I'm inspired by. And you've really inspired me because it seems, at least from social media, I'm sure this is true, that you are just like a dream chaser. Like, and you've been on that quest and you've been doing it and you've been staying true to that. That's something that I've always appreciated about you. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just paying you your flowers by saying you've inspired me to like continue to do that myself as well. That means a lot, man. And uh, I something I admire about you is how hard you hustle. Thanks. Dude. And yeah, that's something I, I admire your work ethic a lot. Thanks, and bro. I can see it again. Real recognizes real mm -hmm. when you're really going for it. And I can just tell within a couple minutes of meeting anybody like what kind of person they are. And I, you just get a, 
a vibe and their energy. And um, yeah, just that's something I really admire about you and I've always seen from you. I've never not seen you working. I that's appreciate something that. Thanks, like, dude. That you want to do. And your ability to shift too and quickly do it, I think that's great. How versatile you can be. Thanks, man. So yeah, that's just, again, genuinely, I've seen that from you. I'm yeah. like impressed by it and it inspires me as well when I see other people working. I love to be around that. Yeah. No matter what you're doing. Yeah. you're chasing the dream or like you're trying to be great at a craft or whatever you're, you're inspired to do. Yeah. And it's super cool when you're, in, when you're excited about it, it gets me excited, you know? I feel that same way. Yeah. You can yeah. feel the energy and it makes you want to like just go do shit. Yeah. It makes yeah. you want to kick ass and just Hell go yeah. do shit. Yeah. Like that's said. sweet, dude. So that, that means a lot though. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I spend of a lot of time alone in cold, dark rooms. I feel you, around. dude. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you're kind of by yourself, you don't really get to hear um, that all the time or yeah. even though it's true you know a lot of people appreciate you so i really appreciate that dude yeah dude and, of course yeah and just being here steve has like a really really cool story because in it all is in music he stayed true to his his path his you know passion i'm sure you've done like odd jobs or whatever throughout this oh, whole time dude, too so many the artist life is tough but um steve's cool because he's, he comes from like the pop punk background right and you've made it like th I feel like through everything, every genre of music, kind of, and now you're DJing, and you just had an album release, right? Yeah, Friday. Well, actually, I I, ac I accidentally uploaded it what for Thursday night, like yeah. an idiot, and I was like, oh fuck! Like, I caught. That, I was like dude. surprised. I was yeah. like, oh shit! And I, I thought it would have been way cooler to release it on Friday the thirteenth. I'm such an idiot. But also, there's just so much new music on Fridays now. It's hard mm -hmm. to. You don't want to get like. I'd rather get it out a day early just to. Yeah catch people right before the weekend but i appreciate that yeah i yeah. just dropped an album my first um pretty much self-produced album ever i did a lot of that with tim wolf and then some other close friends dope yeah my buddy easy keel um and my friend zed kenzo she's great too yeah and yeah and like a lot of support from other friends too but it's self-produced me and tim did all the heavy lifting on it and produced it all ourselves that's super cool dude so let's talk about a little bit of the early days of music with you what um what kind of got you into it why did why was it like was it pop punk was that your first like uh, venture for music i mean when i first started liking songs on my own you know versus listening to music in the car with your parents and being like this is cool yeah it was like warped wednesdays on fuse tv yeah and whatever music videos I could just binge watch all day. So that was when, what really kind of started getting me first into the music that I liked. But what got me started in music playing it was I went to this Christian camp a couple summers hmm. and we'd spend a week there and we had this counselor named Tom and he would always play his guitar out of sleep and I thought it was dope. And he played really awesome stuff, like really pretty riffs. He had the riffs. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, I want to be like Tom. And I was 12 at the time. So I got home and my dad had a really shitty acoustic guitar that the bridge was way too high on it. I could barely get my fingers to play yep, it. It was yep. just sucky. And sure. I just didn't put it down. So eventually my parents saw that and started um, taking me to lessons. And uh, I learned from a really great guitar teacher named John Moss, who still teaches at the same building. Sweet. Um, great dude. And uh, yeah, that was how I started. And then how I got into my first band was I went to the YMCA as a kid as well to summer camp there. Nice. And I met this kid named Ryan Sturmer. And Ryan invited me to uh, try out for this metal band. 
that I didn't know anything about metal because I had only been learning like Green Day songs and yep. Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. So I showed up to this band practice and uh, we had to wait for the drummer to get across the street. Hmm. And I look across the street and I see this kid walking out from like eighth grade. And uh, it was my my now studio partner and like one of my best friends I've ever had in my yep. life, like my right hand man and brother, Tim Wolf. And Tim was the drummer of this metal band. So yeah, I tried out and I just wasn't metal enough. Okay. And uh, anyways, Tim actually kicked me out of that band a couple days later. Tim did? No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, they tasked Tim to do it. Damn. So yeah, I wasn't metal enough. Tim had to kick me out. And then a couple of months later... What's not metal enough? What does that mean? I mean, I don't know. I just didn't, dude. I didn't have the wrist. I didn't have okay. the chops, bro. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't have... Yeah, I just... I had, like, I was a good guitar player yeah. enough to be in that band for sure, but I just wasn't a good fit for that band. Got it. Just because I didn't grow up listening to metal. I wasn't a metal kid. I was... What kind of, like, what genre of metal was this? This would have been, like, 2006, seven. Like, ABR was popping off. Yeah. Prada okay. was cool mm. bring me the horizon Sweet. so it was like that kind of metal yeah like very yeah our generation's metal sure it wasn't like yeah old stuff like metallic it was like new modern nice. at the time quick side note the the way that bring me the horizon has like shifted evolved. and yeah. evolved oh my god dude kudos to those dudes yeah i'm impressed that ollie can sing and yeah like, yeah it, it works because he can like kind of scream sing it right and they're yeah they're dope yeah, I I I love I like, I really like their new artwork too. I just saw it the other day. It reminds me of the stuff that I'm really into right now. I haven't seen it. Sorry. I should look at it. It's cool. Cool. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Tim, he kicks you out of the band. You're not metal enough. Yeah. So I was pretty bummed. That was like my first band I was ever in, and I was yeah. so stoked to be in it. And I really loved the dudes that I was starting to get to know with it. But then, yeah, Tim came me. Tim came across the street. I wasn't good enough, so I got kicked out. Then. I, um, a couple months later, I got a call from Ryan, the guy that I met at the Y, mm -hmm. Sturmer, whose uncle happened to be in, I think, Genesis or Yes. Like, he was in a musical family, randomly, but <clears throat> Daryl Sturmer is his name. Sweet. He's from Milwaukee, too, but I know I think he played with Phil Collins. Anyways. With Phil Collins? Yeah, I think, I think so. Wow. Um, but fact check me on that, because sure. I don't want to be spitting bullshit, um, but I'm pretty sure, uh, Ryan calls me months later and asked me if I want to try out for another band. And I was like, for sure, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was just still taking lessons and doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I go to try out for this band and I got in. And Dope. Was, yeah, that was Say by Stereo, the band. Sweet. Yeah, we were talking about before, but that band lasted about two and a half, three years. Yeah. Too, and yeah, I learned a lot in that band and also had probably the most fun out of any band I've, you know, yeah. maybe ever been in. But did you already like in Save by Stereo? Were you like playing a bunch of shows, touring? Like, what are the things that you learned being in your first band too? Um, how to write songs? Yeah, just by sucking. Yeah, the first time. Yeah, and then also Colin, the drummer, he's actually the guy who I moved in with in L.A., mm. who also became a really great, well-credited producer in his own right too. Like Colin's got nice credits. Like he's Sweet. really successful. Um, yeah, we we learned how to record ourselves. Because we were like just singing into Colin's MacBook mic. Yeah. Like that. And then yeah. uploading it to MySpace. Yeah. So, oh, dude. Yeah. Nice. And then trying to get people to listen to our shitty recordings. Yeah. Um, yeah. We learned how to like shittily record. We practiced a ton, like how to practice properly and mm -hmm. having that. Um, 
what else did I learn? I mean, yeah, just again, being around Ryan Sturmer, he was a great songwriter and I'm sure he still is. Um, probably better than me at the time, you know, for sure. I learned a lot from Ryan back then, but yeah, how to write, how to perform, play shows sweet, and then promote, you know, yeah, and get people to show up. And luckily all of us in that band went to different high schools. Mm -hmm. So that really helped us because everybody could promote in like their own zone get a and crowd. they get all of these kids from all these different high schools to show up from like the South side of Milwaukee. Totally. So what else? Yeah, that's it. I mean, how to build light boxes because we're poor, like we can't yeah. afford lights. So like how to DIY all that stuff. Luckily, like my dad's my hero and helped me with all that and all these crazy band projects throughout the years. But yeah. Sweet, um, man. Did you guys play a lot of shows? Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier too, as, as many as we could possibly play in a weekend yep. or like in a month we would do, I should say. So yeah, it was super fun. We played, my first show ever was Snapdragon Fest. That's where I met all the guys, or like that's where I first saw the guys who were in With Hours Waiting and stuff like that. They played middle of the day. And then, um, what else did we do? We played Summerfest when we were 17. I was 17. That was super cool. That's super dope. Super humbling to play that stage. Yeah. Um, were you on a big stage? Yeah, we were on the Harley. Oh, no way. Yeah. And then Sweet. it was like, what's that band? Rancid. And then who else is headlining that night? I can't think of their name. Um, they're a punk band. They have a song called Swing Like Life Away. Oh, uh, oh, shit, dude. I was just listening to that song. But that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Okay. I yeah. can't think of their name. Yeah. It's pissing me off. But <laughs> whatever. That's all right. It'll come. What the fuck was their name? Uh, but that was the same day. And I, yeah, it was a big deal to me just because I'd gone to Summerfest to see like my heroes play. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know what Summerfest is, it's the biggest musical festival in the United States, right? I think so. It used to be. Yeah. Uh, where it was like 13 days, 14 days straight yep. of music every single day. Now they break it up into three weekends. So I'm yep. not sure how the numbers are, but per cap, like per people, I think it was like millions of people would come. Yeah. From all over. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big festival in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So it's dope. I actually like the new model better. You like the three, three weekends? weekends? Yeah. Just because like. It's easier I, to go to if you have like commitments. Like exactly. Yeah. I haven't gone in years, by the way. So I'm, I'm talking about it as somebody who literally has not gone to it. But I think that it's a cool, like, I don't know. I, my guess would be that more people would go on a given day if it's split into weekends rather than having it throughout the week. Like more people just in general probably go when it's two weeks in a row. Yeah. But I feel like they pack the house out more if it's, you know, weekend. Yeah, I feel like there's more people that are available to go. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, I do miss the, like, it was tight when it was like those full weeks because you could go mm. on like a Wednesday and see somebody dope. Yeah. And yeah, it was cool because they'd have deals to you. Like you bring a can of food or something and you yeah. get in for like half price. Yeah. 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 It was tight. Cool, man. And then, so from saved by stereo, you end up meeting a bunch of people, obviously. Um, what's the transition like from going from saved by stereo to mechanical kids? So while we were recording out here, that album that we put out, uh, there's this dude sitting in Joel's studio, like in like the lounge mm -hmm. and he was playing like super Nintendo and <laughs> he looked pretty gnarly. He had like long blonde hair and I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Um, nice and emo then, kid. Yeah. Like, so we, he was just there one morning when we were about to record and, uh, I go up to introduce myself and he's like, what's up, man? I'm Sean. And I was like, Oh, how's it going? I'm Steve. And, uh, yeah, that's how I met Sean. Nice. He was the singer of mechanical kids. Yep. So Sean had been recording with With Hours Waiting there at Joel's studio because Joel did their whole album. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that's how I met Sean. So right around 2000, I don't even know. I was 17. So fucking 2009, um, Sean asked me to play guitar in Mechanical Kids. Dope. And I knew it was going to be a really cool opportunity. Mm -hmm. Plus my relationship minus Tim with the band at that time was not that great. Mm. So I knew it was kind of like getting, they were kind of pushing me out minus Tim. And, um, that's how I felt at least. And that's how it eventually turned out to be. Mm. So I just wanted, and also at that point in my life, I already knew I wanted to do music, like go for it. And it was just everything. Like I, that's the only thing I loved like that. Yep. So, um, I joined mechanical kids while I was in say by stereo and I was doing both at the same time. Mm. And then eventually I got kicked out of Save by Stereo. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah. I felt bad because I loved Tim, you know, at the time. And Tim was one of my best friends and still is now. Obviously, is my, one of my closest friends for sure. Um, and my studio partner. Yeah. So I was bummed. But uh, yeah, Sean asked me to join. I said, yeah. Hell yeah. And I joined Mechanical Kids and started practicing with them. I had to try out. I was so nervous. Yeah. It was a bunch of dudes I had never played with before and guys that I looked up to. Sure. Like all the best of the best in like the scene at the time or like the cool dudes that, you know, everybody was yeah, always going to see. And yeah. guys who were selling out the Miramar Theater and all those other shows and guys who we'd grown up with, but we always looked up to them. And I was yep. suddenly like cool enough and also earned my place in the room and that felt humbling and also yeah. scared the shit out of me, but it worked out. <laughs> you joined the cool crowd. I felt like it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, yeah, and they called me Squid forever. Squid? Like, yeah, like from, was that Rocket Power? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Dude. yeah. Yeah. So they call me, that's like a relic or like a, what's that word? I'm trying to think of, uh, that's a fucking old reference for you kids out there. Yeah. But yeah, Rocket Power. Anyways. I think it might be worth like touching on um, Sean and with hours waiting and all that stuff because like Milwaukee culture, Milwaukee music culture, there was only like two bands, right? That were really or not two like maybe three if you count green means go but there was only like a few bands that like people looked at and they were like oh they're gonna do it right and yeah for me um you can tell me if you think any differently but i think it was sleep therapist sleep oh for sure and then with hours waiting those were like the two bands i feel like that people looked at and they were like holy shit they're gonna those guys are gonna do it yeah yeah sleep was like our older brother, like Sammy, yeah, he fucked with us. Yeah, um, Sammy K did, and he because he came from I think he came from pop punk, pop punk bands. I yep. should say. So yeah, there was sleep. There was with hours waiting. There was one or two that played at Snapdragon Fest that were really good too. Actually, mm. you know, they're not from here, but the Color Morale. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, yeah. They're, like they were the killer app. They were Illinois, right? Yeah, but just across, like just across yeah. the line. So they were kind of around here, but yep. really for Milwaukee, it was sleep. Like yeah. and then with hours waiting too, and then yeah, those are the two main ones that and I looked sleep, up to. Sleep did sign a deal with Sumerian, right? Yeah, you'd have to talk to Clay. Yeah. Um, about how and what happened with that weird deal they signed. Yeah, because I don't know anything past that. I don't know if it was Sumerian. It was like some, some label. Okay. Like out of like Orange County, California, and something fell apart, mm. which happened to us too. It's very common. Um. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But uh. Yeah, those are like those are the guys we looked up to when we were coming into the scene. Yeah, but they had already been playing shows. Yep, you know. So, so that that's I think that's a really important part of your like journey and your story too is that somehow you get linked up with the right people and that like kind of catapults your career too, right? Yeah, it was just I don't know divine orchestration. Yeah, that we happened to go to Joel 
Joel's an amazing, successful producer now, huge mm-hmm. producer in rock and metal. Yeah. And Joel took in all us kids, like who were a bunch of shitheads yeah. and didn't know anything about recording yeah. and turned us into musicians and proper studio dudes and That's helped so us cool. get our shit together. Like Joel's such a mentor. Like for all of us, yeah. with hours waiting, all those dudes, my bands and like all the metal bands in Milwaukee, Joel is a hu- was a huge light and is still a huge light and a guy that I look up to a lot. Is he still in Milwaukee? Yeah, he's still out here like in Hubertus area. But oh, okay. Right here. Cool. To my knowledge, I think Menominee Falls is where his studio is. Yeah, okay. So then there's Cherry Pit out there too. That Eric Joel is in that building. Oh, really? Or was last time I was at a studio, yeah. No way. Yep. Cool. Yep. Dope, dude. That's really wild. Yeah. So because of Joel, Bill, yeah, just because of music, it just, I met Joel and then Sean happened to be there and then I met Sean and then I actually started hanging out with Sean outside of it and we were kind of like just messing around, writing songs together and just making, I don't know, friends and stuff. And then, yeah, that just grew. It was a really, me and Sean was a friendship before I was even in his band. Okay. He even asked me. Yeah. So that's where it started. And then I was like, yeah, I'm honored. I'd love to be in your band. So. So what's that journey like joining Mechanical Kids? Because you guys eventually did get signed. But what's the journey like up to that point? Um, It was like Save by Stare was super fun, but I was heartbroken for sure at the end because that was my first real band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played so many shows with those dudes and toured and learned so much with them. And then that was all coming to an end. And it just... At the time, like now we're all, I'm cool with all the members. Like, I lived with Colin. Nice. Like, and Colin was never mad at me. And we were all just kids. So, and everybody in that band I've talked to since, obviously, I'm a partner, like a studio partner with Tim now. So, yeah. at the time, though, it was a really big bummer when you're 17 and that goes away. Mm-hmm. But then I was, again, I didn't have time to think. And I was so driven, like that, with this new band, Mechanical Kids, that I, it was an easy transition. And they were even more, they were more serious about their goals and also the talent level. Just everybody was pushing each other to be even better. And we, we practiced so much. So that was hard to get used to, I'd say, um, because my first band, we didn't practice as hard as this new band did. So yeah. I, but I was, I was ready. So I wasn't ever worried, you know, I yeah. was just like excited, happy, but also bittersweet because my last band had just ended and I love those guys. Yeah. And yeah, we played a lot of fun shows together, but I was really excited for that new opportunity. So, um, yeah, I just literally took my stuff out of one practice room, moved it out to Mike Severson's, and yeah, it just got thrown in. And luckily, I I swam, I didn't sink. Yeah, in that totally. Band, so sweet, man. Let me uh, restart the camera. Yeah, no problem. Perfect. Okay, so then I think. Something that would be interesting for a lot of people to hear too is like what you you've touched on that you like learned how to practice and practice the right way. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot. So like younger dudes trying to be in bands. One of our issues when I was in my band for sure was that there was like no structure to practice. Right. So like walk me through that a little bit, because I think that that there is an art to learning how to practice, learning how to perform. Um, and all that and that's probably done in like a more structured way of practicing right as a band yeah yeah we'd we'd schedule them out and like throughout the years of all my bands we'd set aside days for writing or whatever needed the most attention we'd block out time for each point and we'd get together two uh, two or three times a week at least so yeah that was something i learned a lot from tom and mike and mechanical kids was 
how to be effing militant yeah. like in a savage yeah. and just drill, drill, drill. Like I can still literally like I have the muscle memory still of all those songs that we really? played. And like, I don't even, it's annoying cause my, I feel like a robot sometimes or like, cause my brain, when I hear like an old song that we did, I'm like, like, I'm like, Oh God, like what the fuck? It's kind of scary, but it's just, that's how much we drilled. So yeah, practicing six hours a night for like, and we did that two or three nights a week. You guys all together for yeah, six hours? Just drilling, drilling the set. That's a job. Set. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. And then we, we all treated it like it. So we would do that two, three times a week. And yeah, after, you know, working our whatever jobs. Yeah. And going to school or doing whatever we were doing. Staying up to like 2 a.m. Yeah. Like I, at one point I had like two jobs and I was going to school and I was in the band. That's great. That's so a grind. It was insane. Yeah. Um, but everybody had that mentality. Yeah. And when you have six guys in a room with the same goal and everybody's on that same page, mm-hmm. it is unstoppable. Yeah, like for sure. That's in, like an insane amount of power. Yeah. When everybody has that, like, and there's no weak point. Everybody's like, this is it. Like, like I'm going to die for this shit right now. You're all now. driven through purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when, yeah, you're all in the same room and uh, like iron sharpens iron and everybody was always like always pushing each other in the best ways in the beginning of that band. So, um, yeah, we would practice, like, like I said, six hours every couple of days, I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays we'd practice. And then the rest of the week, each of us had a night on MySpace where we would send 300 messages and we would send like, we'd start conversations, real conversations with actual kids on MySpace. Yeah. And we would just keep up. Like I had Monday or Tuesday, I forgot what day of the week I had. So, I would send 300 messages and then try to show kids our EP and then try to hustle the EP online because that's when iTunes was a thing. And that is crazy. Yeah. So CD sales were already kind of fading out. Yeah. And that's when iTunes sales mattered. Yeah. Like that's when the industry was all focused on like how much are you selling on iTunes? Yeah. And it was a big deal because yeah, then you could, any band could finally send, sell their music on that. And through MySpace, yeah, we hustled and sold, um, a good amount of EPs enough to get some attention from a major label eventually. And those stats, like they mattered. So, so you guys were doing literally like the Alex Hermosi cold messaging method. Do you know Alex Hermosi? No. He's like this, uh, he's the hun- the hundred million dollar guy or whatever, but he started this thing called gym launch. And, um, one of his methods that he tells people is to send a hundred DMS a day. 100 dms a day you guys were already doing that so you were kind of looking at this as a business in the beginning yeah no 100 percent. when we came into that band our goal was to get a deal yeah you know like or that was like our dream goal Mm -hmm. you know and just be the best band we could possibly be and make the best songs we possibly could yeah a lot of the writing most of which like 90 percent, was done by sean yeah so that so to take the weight of like everybody had their different roles and things they were good at. Like Tom was the, basically the manager of the band mm-hmm. up until we did get a manager and we'd all like, if I, we had to build something or we needed something for like light boxes, I built that because I had experience in my first band. So I sure. would do that. And then everybody, yeah, took on the 300 messages a night, like one, one night of the week you're dedicated. So luckily having six dudes, it spreads it out. Nice. That's and crazy. Yep. Yep, and then where they left off, you pick up the next day. Wow. And just keep those conversations going. But we'd always like sign our names at the end of each message and they're very personal. Like we met a lot of people because yeah. of MySpace. And 
yeah, it really helped our band. And uh, yeah, if you got big on MySpace back in the day, like that's crazy. It was a music centric platform. Yeah. And it was awesome. I miss that actually. Me too. A hundred percent. No algorithm. It's great for musicians to just kind of pimp their stuff and put it out there. Like there's no, at least for me, I don't think, I don't really keep up with SoundCloud or any of that, but there's no other platform that did so much for musicians as MySpace did. It was, it made people. It's the reason, it's a huge reason why we probably got signed or looked at, you know, MySpace statistics mattered and Mm -hmm really as a tool for musicians back in the day it was unprecedented yeah it was mind-blowing and uh so friend so friendly to music and yeah we always romanticize everybody talks about myspace and those days of how simple it was yep and how awesome yeah that platform was and just yeah even hanging out like just those early days of the internet that was like dial-up days yeah yeah like yeah. straight up yeah like you had to log on to the internet yeah like yeah that was, i remember that that's, that's like that's old so yeah and it was new too like nobody had really pioneered it that was like new internet shit yeah and tom was everybody's first friend on their friend yeah, list. yeah 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 and uh, yeah that we would just try to be as diligent as possible and just think outside the box with how we were promoting and also learn from other people. Yeah. And we had a lot of good mentors, but yeah, that we were very driven. Like, you were ahead of the curve for sure. Yeah. As far as, I guess if my, if messaging people and sending DMS is something, yeah. I think that's always good to do. Yeah. If you're, if you have the time mm-hmm. and you can really make personal connections with people, super valuable. Yeah. Cause you sure. never know like those kids who they turn out to be in 10 yep. years or like just if you want to, some of the all my friends mostly have been through music and that connection so yeah. it was uh yeah it was awesome networking is a superpower dude i tell people that all the time like a lot of the 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 connections and stuff that i have are now in the fitness industry and like crossfit and stuff like that but um it when you're able to like connect with people on a deeper level than just like business or like superficial things, if you can find things in common with people, talk to them about it and network your way into a social group or a friend group, yeah. it like will open so many doors that would just blow people's mind, you know? And I don't think that, I think that a lot of people lack the ability to have those personal conversations with people that they don't know. And it's definitely a learned skill. So it's interesting to me that you guys at such a young age, cause you're probably like 2021 20, at that point. I was 17, 17 when I joined mechanical kids. The band ended when I was like 20. Okay. But even so young to be able to yeah. do that, that's crazy. I think like the oldest member was maybe 18, 19 in the band. Yeah. That's wild. So we were all, yeah. We were all about that. Um, so what happened? So how do you guys get signed? And what was that like? Were you guys selling out shows too, by the way, yeah, before this? So, yep. Yep. So we, um, that was also, there was a lot of like predisposed fans because mm-hmm. there was people that knew obviously who Sean was from mm-hmm. Rescue and with hours waiting. And Rescue, then, dude. Yeah. Because that was Brad and DJ and yeah. Sean. Yeah. So Brad and DJ and Sean were in the band. And then Sean went to with hours waiting to sing. My buddy Casey took over the lead vocals of Rescue. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Casey and Paul. Yeah. They were doing it. That's yep. so funny. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. Um, with hours waiting had a lot of old, you know, fans that transferred over. Mm-hmm. Obviously the fans of Rescue, Sean, had been doing his own like pop stuff on MySpace. It was very never shout nevery. Yeah. And then when we What happened were, to that guy? Who never, never shout never, yeah. The last time I saw him physically and saw him doing well, like playing shows was I don't know. I'm like I'm I hope he's doing well. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't I'm sure he's fine. He's got yeah. like loads of fans. 
yeah. women adore him. Yeah, like, diehards. Yes. And I still love his music. He's yeah. dope. But Anyway, um, sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where I was going. but uh, Sorry, you were saying that you had a lot of crossover fans from yeah. like Rescue With Hours Waiting. Yeah, oh yeah, and I said Sean did you know this Never Shout, Never Ask yeah. music on uh, his own MySpace, and that was starting to do really well. And then cool. they made it full band, and that's when I came in the picture too. So a lot of already built-in fans kind of from all those bands that we had already been in. Yep. And they transferred over to um, Mechanical Kids pretty seamlessly. And we were still able, because we we're, we're again, like you said, those mm -hmm. personal connections with all these kids. Yeah. After every show, we'd always hang out and yeah. talk to everybody and support all the bands. Yep. So everybody fucked with each other and genuinely did and yeah. would support each other and go to shows wherever it would be. Sussex Bowl, like Miramar Theater. Yeah, Miramar yeah. Theater, Shorewood Legion Hall. Yeah. We'd just travel around and go to like whatever was happening that weekend. It was like local show. Hell yeah, let's go. Let's all hang out there. Yep. So that's how we got a lot of those local fans mm -hmm. to get behind it plus i like to think our songs didn't suck um, mechanical kids yeah no they were good yeah sean yeah. sean was on one um sean's a good songwriter great yeah one like he taught me so much yep. i owe him a lot and uh, i appreciate sean's the reason why i started producing nice like, yeah sean helped me pirate my first copy of reason no way yeah yeah nice dude. that was another thing back in the day too early internet was like pirating yeah like torrenting yeah softwares dude downloading those files yeah yeah oh, demonoid yeah. and stuff yeah. and yeah. pirate bay yeah so funny yeah. yeah so yeah i mean i, lo I love sean and uh i will always have the the most respect for him and the most appreciation and gratitude gratitude for sean that's awesome um but yeah, I mean, that's how we got them to come out. And then we were also, like I said, hustling the MySpace stuff. So mm -hmm. those two things combined, eventually, somehow we ended up like in this magazine called Alternative Press. I remember that. And we were one of the bands featured in the section called Hometown Heroes. Yeah. And apparently, uh, from our A&R, per him, like he was going through all these bands, like he picked up a copy of it. He was working at Universal Motown at Dope. the time, which is the label we got signed to, so... He picked up this copy of AP Mag, which was a big deal back in the day to get an AP. Mm -hmm. It was actually, yeah. Um, he went through all the bands. He decided he liked us the most out of all of them. And he called up our manager at the time and asked if he can come out and see us in Milwaukee. Sweet. So we're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, this is insane. You're you know? 17? Yeah, I was 17. <laughs> so I couldn't crazy. sign the deal until I was 18. So yeah. I had to like, kind of wait. Mm -hmm. So yeah so now it's this this show is like the biggest moment ever in our fucking lives yeah and like everything we'd ever dreamed for you know and hoped for uh so it was actually a joint show it was my <laughs> farewell show with my old band really yeah say by stereo wow okay and then mechanical kids headlined the show. no way and the headline was it was specifically to showcase for Corey roberts who was our a r at uh, Universal Motown. Wow, that's so, crazy. Yeah, so that helped the draw, yeah. for sure. And like, I would just beg, not beg, but like my family was super supportive. I'd ask. We would, we wanted to sell it out, and we did. Yeah. Because they want to see that. Where was this? Miramar? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So Great was, venue. Yep. Yep, awesome. Like, the home yep. for so many bands and yep. kids. Yeah. And just the community of, yeah, people back then. But, um, yeah, we sold out the show. Corey loved it. And a year later, we were, yeah, signing a deal. That's and nuts. Yeah, we, there's a lot of negotiation that goes on between yeah. the label and your lawyer or whoever. Um, 
and then once you guys finally there's like literally it's like an 80 page contract so it's just a lot of paperwork takes a long time yeah yeah and yeah it's all got to be redlined and looked over and then what also makes sense for your band yeah maybe doesn't make sense for this you know agreement or whatever so, so for those of you that don't know universal motown was a big label it's yeah. not like some weird fringe like label where like it's a local thing and you know you just hang out in the city type thing it's like a, a legit label yeah it was a major label yeah at the time they had young money which was mm -hmm. obviously drake was just coming up at that time yeah and yeah like Lil Wayne, who couldn't be any bigger, and Nicki Minaj. And yep. they also had bands like Forever the Sickest Kids, who we ended up becoming friends with. Dope. And like bands like Four Years Strong and a bunch of other artists, who at the time that were huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had no idea. Like, I couldn't have, like, I couldn't think. I guess it makes sense because they had those MySpace bands, a few of them. Yeah. But it's just so strange to me that we got signed to Motown, but our AR was really cool and yeah. got the music and was really, he was the. Yeah, as far as like an A and R goes, I couldn't like to this day. I don't even know if they make him as good as Corey Roberts. Really? Yeah. As far as where he placed us and how yeah. strategically and smart he was with setting us up with rights and Sean up with like you know rights with all these people, these writers and producers from all around. Yeah. Like Corey A and R that project to the moon, and I'm heartbroken still for him, and really the music that a lot of those songs that we wrote never saw the light of day and really and probably ever won't ever will yeah i mean some of them did do you have them yeah oh well i have to talk to tom i don't have all the demos yeah like, but somebody does cool because we stole them from sean you did yeah so we were like we were writing all these songs and we had like 40 to choose from so when you get signed your job now is to write and deliver an album yep of songs then you cut it down to 10 or 12 and then go record it with somebody and then put it out into her. Yeah. So, yeah, we... Uh, That's so much work. Yeah. Yeah, Sean was gone, like, all the time. So that was a little tough for us, too, because there's so many members. How are you going to, like, logistically fly six dudes to every single right? doesn't really make sense. Where Where is Sean at? Like, in L.A. or something? Yeah, Sean was in L.A. a okay. bunch, New York, um, wow. and other places Just at different over. studios recording? Yeah, and Chicago, too, where he met Chris, who is another huge light for me in music now. Sweet. Yeah, Chris Rennell, awesome dude. Amazing, one of the best. Um, but yeah, so like the label was sending him out to do all these writes with big, big writers, like big effing deals at the time. That's sweet. Um, but yeah, so he does that. He comes back and, you know, we would still practice too without him and just drill mm -hmm. the set and just do whatever we could back home, send the messages, do everything, look for new ways to promote while he'd be gone on these trips. Yeah. So yeah, within a year, we got those songs done. We picked out a producer because while Sean was doing all these songs, he was kind of like feeling out these different writers and producers and seeing who would be a good fit for us. Yeah. And the label also had an input on, on it too. But yeah, so we get all these songs done and then we're like at Mike's house out in Sussex and Sean brought them on a CD mm -hmm. and put them into the computer and we're all listening and everybody's voting like on paper, like not really talking. We're just like quietly writing down our votes so, yeah we can't like influence each other like what's the best 10 yeah what are our like our like songs we die for that needs to be on this album yeah so yeah sean like ended up going to the bathroom or something and i was like quick quick fucking, like quickly and so we all literally went to itunes like saved it and like yeah. ripped the cd 
and like uh. and then sean came back in the room and we we're like acting like nothing happened so because we're not supposed to at that time like leaking the album was like detrimental for sure yeah and for like sean like heard from the label like he can't give these songs out and maybe blah 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 sure. i'm like fuck you we're in the band dude yeah like no we're gonna have these songs so yeah we stole them and uh our own songs we sell our own songs and uh <laughs> like hours later like there's like cds we're just like burning cds and yeah giving them, yeah isn't that crazy how like leaking music actually turned out to be a good thing for artists yeah <laughs> like lil uzi vert i don't do you pay attention to him or did you use a little to? bit yeah for sure so like back in the day i remember his stuff got leaked by like some one of his friends or whatever and he was super pissed about it but it ended up being the thing that completely shifted his career was that his music got out there like without his you know consent yeah so many artists either they get shelved by a label but a lot of people make stuff and it just sits on their hard drive and dies that's what i hear so not good yeah if especially if it's great yeah music you know so i understand if there's legal stuff finding that's the biggest heartbreaker like when songs are so great but then something happened to when you just can't release it red tape on them and you can't legally put them out yeah um that's heartbreaking that's yeah. basically what happened to mechanical kids at the end but luckily we got some of those songs yeah let's uh let's bring it back real quick so you're 17 years old you've like get the glimpse into like you know your dream and then you have to wait a year right until you actually sign a deal what is it like at 18 years old to finally fucking sign a deal dude i was like uh literally a dream come true yeah and it was insane yeah i couldn't even believe it and, you know, I just, you kind of ask yourself, like, why us, you know, a lot. Yeah. And I remember talking with DJ, the guitarist, and he said something that stuck with me. And he's like, somebody's got to do it. Why not us? Hell yeah. And I was like, damn. I love that. I <laughs> yeah, love that. like, why not us, bro? Yeah. And I was like, you're right. And, like, that's the kind of energy that band had, especially in the beginning. Well, and it seems like you guys really did your due diligence. Like, you really put one step in front of the other. We treated it like a business. Exactly, yeah. Still had so much fun. Yeah. We still, but we were driven, like, to attain this goal, and we did. And we did it within, when I joined, it was the fall of, like, 2009. And then I, uh, by 2010, we had the deal. That's wild. A year. yeah, with like within a year. Yeah, which is crazy. I remember that too because I remember being like, I feel like these guys just became a band, and we, you guys were already like, it. yeah, you guys were announcing that you had that deal and whatever. And I remember seeing you guys. Did you go on tour or whatever? And you had these like you had. I remember you had an orange half stack or a full stack or whatever it is. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, dude, they 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 made it. They have the orange well, the orange speakers, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, like everybody pretty much paid for their oranges themselves like oh really yeah i mean you could have used your label advance to pay for that but i bought a really shitty car with my first with my money you probably needed it yeah i did i was 18 and i was like you know what i just got this check 1200 bucks i'm buying a car hell yeah for sure buy my first car and uh but yeah those oranges yeah they're they're not cheap and to have like an orange stack i remember like looking at them too and bands would have them like damn yeah they're so legit that's what everyone wanted dude yeah. yeah orange and yeah, I mean, yeah, so I had that, and I sold it a couple of years ago, and I was so sad, but I sold it to a family member, so nice. he stepped up and, like, did me a favor and kept it in the family, so I was really, cool. yeah, I was attached to those speakers, but yeah, I remember that was a dream come true guitar rig to have, Yeah, like, so yeah, having not only you get, you know, you get signed, and that all pays off, but now you have orange yeah like you're slowly getting these things like you always dreamed of like Hell gibson yeah. guitar orange like amps yeah and cab like wow that's yeah. pretty cool yeah so you have your dream come true yeah and then 
<laughs> I even remember being heartbroken by the news that Universal Motown like crashes or whatever. So in between the time that you get signed and that happens, do you guys go on like a bunch of tours? Who do you tour with? And then what's it like getting the news about the crash? Yeah, so we in the like in the interim while Sean was writing, when he'd be back home, we'd still play like four times a year in Milwaukee. Nice. That's that's like as much as we wanted to, like once a quarter or like once every three four months. Okay. Just to not oversaturated, but still play yeah. and keep the fan base. Yep. And our kid, you know, our friends coming to the shows and still selling out. We needed to maintain that. So we did a lot of like weekend warrior, like three four day runs. Nice. And we'd try to do different markets and swap shows with other bands mm -hmm. that were big in their market or yeah. like the equivalent of what we were doing in Milwaukee. They're doing it in Minneapolis or yeah. Chicago. So that's what we were doing there. That's and, tough to do show after show after show. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a lot of like that was a lot of the weekend warrior stuff was yeah. while we were getting the deal and while, while we were in the deal. And mm -hmm. then after the deal fell through, that's when we actually started to tour more full time, mm. which is crazy. But we'd you know we found we had a couple of friends and bands that would take us out and vice versa we do the same thing yeah in the midwest for them and friends that we had made through playing shows like we played madison a lot milwaukee yeah minnesota a couple times chicago and then yeah we did a couple like full country runs not out west but like everything else yeah. for the most part sweet so yeah um and like our longest tour i think was like 28 dates okay. of actual shows and then you know or maybe it was 26 dates and we were gone for like a month, month and a half. -ish. That's cool. Yeah. And luckily, um, we got to keep the old school bus that our label funded. No way. Yeah. Yeah. We had to like, we budgeted in our like album stuff or like for our record deal, we budgeted like X amount of dollars for a touring vehicle. Sweet. And it just so happened that Joel Wanasek, the guy who recorded us and yeah, Joel was selling his like fucking metal school bus no like, yeah because he was in like a death metal band sweet but he, he converted a school bus like into a basically an rv that's dope so yeah we bought that from him for like four or five grand nice yeah and then we had that and so we toured in a school like a all black flat like matte black school bus yeah that's yeah. sick and man that thing is so bumpy just picture like picture being in a school bus yeah. <laughs> as a kid that's yeah. how touring in a school bus is that's so, so cool yeah but it was it was fucking rad we called it the black pearl nice yeah, the black pearl that's sweet one. dude yeah <laughs> what's it what's it like to like get that news oh okay yeah my apologies no um, you're good yeah so yeah i don't know it's hard for me to describe to anybody having their dreams come true and then it getting ripped away mm -hmm. um it's gut-wrenching it feels like you've been broken up with times five when you're madly in love with somebody yeah and that's crazy. uh kind of you know you've had i'm sure you've had things happened to you where your stomach sinks yeah and it's 100%. just like your entire world shifts and uh or it just feels like it's ending you know yeah. we di i didn't ever think that i was like done with music but i was um heartbroken everybody was i still have the letter i framed it from the label dropping us really and i hang it at my studio yeah as like motivation yep right in front of the light switch every wow. time i go in and leave like is what I'm looking for. Like, I'm I'm trying to get back to that level again. I necessarily don't want to sign a deal, but that's my motivation. Yeah, for sure. Or one of the things that really motivated us, even after the deal, was like it fell apart not because of us, mm -hmm. because of the circumstances at the label and where the economy was with music too. Yeah, and the head of our label quit, so it was heartbreaking. Um, yeah, 
it was really tough to mm. do all that work and then have to dig deeper again because we couldn't touch those songs yeah we wrote 40 awesome songs and we couldn't touch them so we had to Wild. write even more songs and release an ep ourselves <clears throat> and that was tough too because we had spent all this time writing this album and our sole focus was that so we weren't touring as much because sean was gone mm-hmm. and that in turn like also caused riffs a little bit in the band and it was just tough to deal with as a bunch of kids yeah you know like we're just trying to stay productive as as best as we could but yeah um so all the legal shit doesn't just get dropped after the label like crashes because didn't no, it go under no like they there has there's this, again like a lot of other work and also like the same day that like we got dropped by our label our manager quit too oh. so now it's just a bunch of 17 18 19 year old kids having to deal with like six figure contract right and we had already yeah like the way it happened was we were we were recording our album while we got the news. Oh, Sean dude. and yeah, Sean and Mike were in LA working with a producer named Howard Benson. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and the day they got back is the day we got the news from recording our first three songs. Like we were in the process of recording it, dude. And like we were so hot. proud of it. Yeah, yeah, because we had worked so hard in it. Sean wrote his ass off. Wrote some of the best songs I've ever heard to this day. Yeah. You know, and songs that I'm still proud to play and was privileged to play with them and stoked to play and humbled but um yeah it was just it was tough at first we all just kind of like pow out and you know uh what's the word just basically said our condolences to that bullshit and we're like all right let's now what are we gonna do all right what's next and we put together another ep Mm -hmm. um and started touring and independently going on it like we had just like let's just basically move like our album is this ep and Mm. we're going to tour on it because we deserve it and that's what makes the most sense and we need to like reach these new markets and keep growing and you know get to another point where we can sign another deal yeah and that was still our goal was put these songs out on a record label so nice cool man let me uh restart this again you're fine all right so then you guys you get the news um you go on tour or you make an ep a new ep what so then what what ends up happening that like ends the band um there was like i said a lot of tension throughout that time when sean was gone yeah and a lot of us not knowing what to do Mm -hmm. so that started separating us as friends a little bit and i think that combined with having another showcase that fell through. Like we had another opportunity um, to showcase for an A&R uh, for Fueled by Ramen. His name is Johnny Minardi. Oh, yeah. cool. So we got a new manager. We were touring and doing all that stuff. So there was just a lot of ups and downs that, and then eventually we just started growing apart. Certain It was started getting a little bit more clicky because mm. you're dealing with a bunch of like just teenage boys. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. like, and a little bit of, yeah, just animosity between certain parts of the band and others, you know? And uh, eventually that led, combined with all the ups and downs, like I can give you the full story off camera later. Yeah, okay. But I can tell you exactly what happened. But we basically had a, sh- a showcase for this new label, which is another dream label at the yeah. time. Feel by Ramen makes so much sense. Yeah. Fall Boy, like Paramore, yep, Panic of the, the Disco. Stuff. Um those were like our 
like heroes again yeah. with the warp tour scene and like the biggest deal everybody i, I wanted to be pete went, who like so. they all yeah. went super mainstream yeah eventually now too. it's crazy yeah, yeah. but yeah field buyer was responsible for like a lot of those yeah albums being so you know popular and stuff like that too they the label pushed pushed those those bands really well yeah so we had this showcase set up with them funny enough we were opening for what's that band oh my god i'm sucking today uh they're effing huge it's two guys they used to wear skeleton outfits they're huge oh 303 no no uh one plays piano one plays drums i cannot think of the name and they have huge hits on the radio really like five six seven years ago oh i don't know i am sucking right now dude 21 pilots oh nice so really yeah wow crazy like we were showcasing for johnny 21 pilots i just got signed by them Ah. so or like they were or they were trying to get signed too i think they had just signed their deal wow so yeah it was us 21 pilots on the show breathe electric who's who had just switched to gold house yeah and then another band, I can't think of the name, that was also being managed by our, our manager. Anyways, we played the show. I'm not going to say what went down, yeah. but something went down just out of respect for yeah. the dude. So, yeah, like one of the members of the band um, ended up doing something he shouldn't have done. Yeah. And basically, after that happened, everything came crashing down in that one night. So Fuck. after that, two of the members quit. And then a couple days later, another one did. And then it was just me and Sean. All after that. Yep. So after like record deal one, we get signed, we get dropped, and then we're on our way back up. We have another showcase. Yeah. Not to mention that like after we played the show, again, another showcase, the the guy who was about to sign us was like, yeah, I love you guys. Like, I'm going to, I absolutely want to do this deal. I just want to see you guys play in your hometown now. And we're yeah. like, bet we can get 400 people there. No problem. Yeah. So yeah like we basically had the deal like done like it was about to happen plus we had access now in that time period we got the rights back to a lot of the demos we did from our previous album so we already had an album written ready to go so and this guy was like hell yeah and you guys are dope like i love like everything you're doing the independent like you're touring on your own you're doing all this stuff it's perfect like yeah you can see that you guys grind you know yeah Yeah. and we had the proof like yeah you know here's all of our sales right here's everything we did with this label here's everything we did prior to it social proof yep here's like how many here's what we're doing like every single week doing youtube covers sean was like early youtube stuff like we were grinding like whatever we could possibly do so yeah after after that night yeah something went down just some rock star shit yeah i mean yeah kind of yeah i'll I'll tell you in a (laughs) little bit but um like again, like now we're all friends. Like yeah. nothing bad happened, but yeah, two of the members quit, and then the other one quit a couple of days later. And then me and Sean were like hanging out, and he's like, "Do you still? Well, do you still want to do this? Are you still in?" And I'm like, "100 percent, dude." Yeah. Like yeah, me and you, let's go. Sweet. So at that same time, my other friends were uh, in a band, and everything like oh, it's Tim, like, mm-hmm. and one of the drummer like from Green Means Go. His name is John. Who's again another one of my best friends. I was helping their band write songs because Sean was very particular about the songs that came out under Mechanical Kids. Mm-hmm. Pretty much his project because it was like the MySpace thing, which then his turned baby, into, dude. Yeah. yeah. And he was the best songwriter, which is fine. But mm-hmm. like Sean, in his defense, was also taking a lot of my input at near the end and was way more open to it and yeah. more like supportive of that and inviting and cool. encouraging of it. But mainly Sean's project. So I still wanted to write songs because mm-hmm. I was one of the main writers in my first band. So 
um, I was and I was writing them and taking all the knowledge I possibly could from the label side and giving it to my friend's band. So wow, like Tim and John and I was telling them like, here's how we got signed. Here's how many like here's how giving them the blueprint. Here's like an app you can use on your phone or like whatever you can do like on the internet to like help your band. Yeah, here's how you can exploit Facebook and like all these other like websites. (laughs) And then before like do it before they catch on because like this is how this band blew up. Like That's everything, crazy. yeah, I could possibly learn from any producer, or writer, whoever. Like we met through Mechanical Kids and all that knowledge, I was just right to their band. That's sweet. And then also writing with them, and at the same time as our band broke up, Mechanical Kids, their band was had just, um, kind of gotten to a crossroads, um, and they're like, we want, like, they wanted to get better, but they had to like either kick out members or like start a new band entirely because mm. a lot of the members were also kind of going in different directions at their time too. So we decided to make a super group and just come together with the last like these, these best five people, you know, or like nice. the people that, you know, we all trusted and believed in the most. And yeah, that's when the Royal started. Okay. So, but, um, yeah. I don't know so if I knew about that man. The Royal. Yeah. It was right after mechanical kids. Okay. Then we made the Royal and we did it with one of my songs that I actually gave to Tim's band that was really successful with them that we re-recorded that with Sean and uh, at Joel's again. And um, we took a lot of the songs that didn't have red tape. Some of the best ones that we wrote with this guy named Chris Ornell for Mechanical Kids, we were able to get access to those. Those weren't barred off for us. And then we put those songs out as the Royal. Wow. Okay. Cool. And yeah, yeah, we flew to LA, first time ever going there, and <laughs> shot a bunch of. We shot three music videos in 24 hours. No way. Yeah. Jeez. Did not sleep. On your own dime? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like, luckily, through our friends, we did it on the cheap. Yeah. Like, one of Rob, somehow Rob had a connection to this girl named Strawberry17, who was a YouTuber. Okay. And she, she reached out to us asking if she could use our song, the one that I wrote, Freaks, in her, like, she wanted to make a music video. Or like a video for her YouTube channel. Cool. And we we're like, that's awesome. Yeah. And then Rob like uh, finessed and he was like, actually, could we be in the video? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She was like, sure. And we we're like, holy shit, because she was pretty big on YouTube. So that was awesome. So yeah, we flew out to do that video. And then we had met somebody in the band previously who was uh, another music video producer mm. and a great filmmaker. And we re- we left that shoot, didn't sleep, and went directly into the next shoot. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember like falling asleep at the wheel in like Orange County, California. Like Tim was literally punching me and like, sque- like just pinching me as hard as he could, and I was still <laughs> falling asleep. It's like we got to do this shit, dude. Wake up. Yeah, and I was, yeah. I was. I've never been that tired before. Like those shoots, if you do them like right, it's they're so exhausting, but they're so yeah. rewarding. Anyways, That's cool, yeah. Dude. So then we made the Royal, and that was like yeah, like pretty much that was that band lasted again like another two to four years okay and then after that i've been i took a step back from band life like that in that sense of it um and at the same time i was right when the royal started i started djing and producing yeah um yeah let's get into that yeah yeah how did that start like pretty much accidentally okay Uh, like i just wanted to make music and i saw sean producing on reason and he gave me the copy of it and helped me get started in it and then i just ran and just started going to YouTube for all these tutorials. Back then, there was not as much information yeah. online as there is now. So yeah, like pirating software and samples, and there was no splice. There was nothing. Sure. There's like no tools to help you. 
it was like word of mouth and time and like you know if you could illegally download it and put it <laughs> on your shitty laptop so yeah yeah i got started because like again like i i wanted to write my own songs so reason was my outlet mm-hmm. and uh i've always i always loved electronic music but i got really into it and mechanical kids like i heard dead mouse for the first time when i was 17 yeah late nights in the van when we were on tour sure and i would just listen to dead mouse and it blew my mind and uh it was super inspiring like yeah i, I got into it because i was inspired to do it and yeah. it was exciting at the time again another new genre of music being born and being popularized and yeah. all these new genres are coming out of it at the same time as you're going and, and it like gets so big so in fast real time yeah. yeah it blew up dude i remember um listening to sunny moore from from first to last yeah. right yep. and we'll spoil who that is in a second but i remember listening to like early days like ap interviews on youtube and stuff like that where he was like um i've been listening to this like genre of music where it's like electronic dance music and it's out of Europe, but there's these artists, whatever the artist's name were at the time. And um, I was like, oh, this sounds weird. And I listened to like one of the artists. I was like, oh, that's not for me at all, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then later on in life, um, I hear Skrillex. And I'm like, this is just, I don't know. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if I like it, da, da, da. And then Tony um, ends up telling me, well, you know who Skrillex is, right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, who's Skrillex? He goes, Dude, it's Sonny Moore from from first to last. And I'm like, I'm mind blown at this time. I immediately become a Skrillex fan, even though I don't like yeah. much like the music. And then I listened to like his catalog of what he had. And I'm like, oh, damn, I actually do kind of like this music a little bit. Um, I was never into like the culture, the DJ culture, the EDM culture, because I'm not like super heavy into like, you know, those drugs or anything. And I don't think that you have to be in the, no. to be in the culture, by the way. Um but yeah, I it, it, it's mind blowing to me how quick that stuff blew up, how popular like a dude from the hardcore scene like became mm. a like a household name. That just blows my mind. Yeah, it's crazy times on the internet, and also, yeah, yeah he I mean basically popularized dubstep. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, know. so is that different than EDM dubstep? No, dubstep is within EDM for sure. Okay. It's a genre in EDM. Got it. But yeah, I mean, it, it started off with like. The 128 BPM stuff, like all mm. the old electro house, like that's the Dead Mouse stuff, and sure. like early guys like Tiesto and all the, those guys were kind of already around, yeah, and doing it. And then after they started, it started getting really popular. Rather, that's when like Dead Mouse actually found Skrillex and okay. put his album out on Mousetrap, which is Dead Mouse's label. Dope. And Dead Mouse Five is the, what they call yeah. it. Right? <laughs> yeah, it blew the f up, and yeah. I I wasn't really a part of the culture per se either. Like I yeah. never went to a rave, you know, being yeah. in bands and stuff when mm-hmm. I did. Like my first time ever, it was, it was super fun, but I yeah. didn't, I didn't feel like, I did feel at home because everybody's so inviting and that was an interesting thing about like the culture of it too, like raves versus shows because mm-hmm. like metal guys wouldn't really fuck with us because yeah. they're a pop punk band and everybody just hated us or like whatever. Yep. So going to a show where everybody just loves each other probably because of the drugs yeah actually. yeah but that's okay as also as like just in general the community of raving is was at that time 2010 awesome yeah super cool so but i really didn't go to raves a, like ever besides you know the ones we either played or like i unless i really loved the dj sure and call it a rave but so you started i think tell me if i'm wrong you started mostly like doing clubs and stuff right weren't we you were, doing a bunch of the clubs we actually started doing house parties 
Oh, cool. So again, like the band mentality, like mm-hmm. boots on the ground and like we're going to throw a party mm-hmm. at whoever's house will let us like on the east side of Milwaukee. Yeah. And we're going to get a keg or they're, they're going to get a keg and we're going to DJ it and invite yeah. as many people as possible. As Dope. discreetly as possible, yeah. we're going to invite as many people as possible <laughs> yeah, and totally. try to like just make this dope yeah so again we're also all like getting to the age where we're drinking mm-hmm. you know early days of that stuff so it's just fun and uh yeah it was started again just because we wanted to have fun and we were super inspired by the music dope um or like i did at least and yeah the, all those first shows were people's basements mm-hmm. like out in wherever they'd let us have us like delafield i played a rave in delafield that was nice. huge and yeah it's like 300 fucking cap basement yeah super weird like a mansion yeah Yeah. i don't know i don't even remember like i just remember the basement just being like teens yeah as far as the i could see like just sweating like you're so (laughs) grimy down there but it was badass yeah because it was like kind of punk rock at the time to do it so and it was new and it was really exciting a little bit counterculture yeah even though our, our generation adopted it but yeah um yeah it's just uh that's how that started and then we moved eventually i remember getting our first like bar gigs Mm -hmm. and you know after that then we graduated to clubs and then festivals and like different venue venues because you've played with some pretty big djs too yeah yeah didn't somebody take you to like a like a is this you did somebody take you to like an island or something i've been to cabo yeah okay played with it's not an island is it no 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 no, an asshole um (laughs) geography loser but uh I, I don't know if i've ever played in ireland but i've i've played in mexico the u.s and canada dope um and we're yeah i'm i didn't want to say like and sound like a douche before it and say yeah we played with so many big people but there's some big djs like a lot of people have heard of you know like zed yeah um yeah that was a really cool experience and really humbling but yeah we've we, we were fortunate enough to play with a lot of our heroes like cascade zed Martin Garrix, I mean, Dylan Francis, who else? I don't know. And a lot of random stuff, too, because, like, college gigs. Like, yeah. randomly played with Jason Derulo, opened for him. You played with Jason yeah. Derulo? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he's dope. He's yeah. such a good dancer. Such Is he a cool dancer. dude? Super nice. Nice. So positive. Yeah. Yeah, and just, yeah, DJing unexpectedly, because I had, yeah, it just took us all these different places, because yeah. I'd only ever known touring as five dudes in a van, six dudes in a van, mm-hmm. or more yeah and now it's like two guys in a zip drive and your laptops and you're just flying around on an airplane yeah Yeah, but again that was still hard work because i took all i took the major label grinded out mentality yep and all that like knowledge and also like i wanted to win again so bad because we had it taken away yeah and um yeah me and tanner my dj partner for like the longest time of the project that i was in uh we, I, I taught him what I knew, mm-hmm. and then he also taught me what he knew as far as live performance, and then we just kept growing together. So yeah, we played a lot of shows, a lot of different places, but Summerfest and Spring Awakening, a lot of festivals. That's so cool. Somerset. You got to actually like live the rock star lifestyle. For yeah, a while. I felt like I didn't deserve it. Really? I didn't mean to cut Why? you off. Yeah, um, just because I, I knew how long it took to get signed yeah. and to play shows, and now everything was happening so fast and I was like, do I deserve this? Like, have I earned it? Because I know what earning it looks like yeah. in the past. And now I'm like, wow, I'm playing for like 500 people. I, it took so long to get there. Or like, I'm playing for this crowd of the sea of people. Dude, you've the done show. the cumulative work throughout the years. Absolutely, you deserved it. Yeah, I just sure. felt like imposter E 
um, at times, yeah. like, do I deserve this when I'm DJing too? Because I'm so used to playing guitar. Sure. And like really giving her on yeah. stage and like all that hard work that goes into just playing guitar. Yeah. Like, knowing your parts and nailing it live. And now, like, I'm DJing, I'm having an awesome time. It's just a different format. And I'm my brain had a long, for a long time, I couldn't compute it. You know? Yeah. I was, do I, am I like, do people care? Like, the number yeah, of your present shit? Like, because. I feel weird. Yeah, you know? no. But I just like the music. I love making it. Yeah. And uh, this is a product of it, I guess. No. You're him, dude. You're him. Yeah, it felt so weird. Like, yeah. every, anytime we ever had a show where like, I was just like, I looked out and I, like, oh my, I was overwhelmed um, sometimes by the people. And I was just like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, looking up, like, just keep your cool. Don't fuck up. Yeah. And, so what what takes you out to LA? Um. At the end of that EDM project, mm-hmm. um, my my band also was wrapping up and basically breaking up. Okay. So a lot of things were changing. And uh, I was also going through a lot of personal stuff at that time, end of 2018. Yeah. So be, beginning of 2019, I started noticing uh, that I wasn't myself. I couldn't even recognize myself in the mirror. And I, I wanted to change. I needed to do something. Otherwise, I didn't feel like I was going to last long as okay. a human being. Yeah. So, um, luckily for me, just so happens that like the drummer from my first band ever needed a roommate in LA mm. and I needed to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like March or no, it was April, end of April, right around my birthday in 2019. I just packed all my shit and, Luckily, my dad followed me in with our trailer, our band trailer, out to LA. That's dope. And helped me out. And a couple of our friends, like Izzy, who's one of my closest friends and also partners today, he helped me move and his brother Angel. So yeah, um, 2019, I just needed to change. And I wanted to grow, and I wasn't growing here yeah. artistically as well. Sure. Like sonically, I just... And like everything I had done here up until that point, I'd done as much as I possibly could do in Milwaukee. Yeah. And... I had reached that ceiling and I felt like I wasn't yeah, going to do anything else here or I wasn't capable of doing, going where I wanted to go in this city anymore because sure. I've done it. So that's really what led me there. Well, good. You did it for your mental health. It sounds like a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And good. yeah, I was just drinking way too much here yeah. and not going out. Yeah. I was like developed a lot of anxiety of going out because I used to be this dude that DJed and was known for being up there. Like I don't even want to go out and talk about, what's happening right now. I sure. don't want to see these people because I'm just not comfortable. I, I also was going through a breakup too. And I was like, I don't want to see my ex. Yeah. I don't want to answer all these questions that I just don't have the energy to do. Like even just going to the club where I played so many times or like bars and whatever, I just mm-hmm. couldn't. So I would just stay in my room and either write at my studio and drink or like just drink alone. Damn bro. And uh, yeah, it got pretty bad. So I just, I knew I needed to change. And, and that got you in a better place? Yeah. So Good. 100%. Like, I'll never f- forget the feeling I had in my car, finally packed up. And on the way to LA, I just felt so free. That's awesome. I felt free for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And just, I did, yeah, I was just I'm powered. <laughs> I, you know, we just powered through that drive because I just didn't want to sleep yeah. until we got there. So. Well, thanks for sharing that, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm glad yeah. that it got you in a better mental Totally. I can go as deep as you want with how dark it's gotten. Yeah. If you want, yeah, just feel free to ask whatever questions. I'm an open book, but 
yeah, without going into crazy detail, that's in short one of the reasons. But it followed me there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and, it will, right? Yeah. And now I'm alone, like yeah. left to my own. There's nobody supporting me or like watching me sure. ever besides my roommate, my roommate Colin, who was dope and yeah. a caring dude. But I hid it from a lot of people for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't like a, I, I was a social drinker, but I'm more of a introvert. And if I'm drinking, or when I was drinking, I'd rather drink at the studio and be productive. Yeah. I was a super high-functioning alcoholic, for sure. But, so did it, like, get you more in a creative space, you felt like? Yeah, it, okay. um, it loosens you up for... You're not making... You're not micromanaging yourself Yeah. when you're creating. You're, you're able to get to the flow state way faster. Yeah. And live in it easier and touch that, yeah. Touch the ethereal plane, as people say, like, way with way less effort yeah. than it takes to do it on your own, like sober. You just, you get there faster. It's easier to say fuck it and make mistakes and then just free flow versus analytically writing. It. Yeah. yeah, which happens or can happen. At yep. least to me, I notice it for sure. I think it happens with everybody in creative endeavors, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So eventually, yeah, drinking got to the point to, like it was great. It was a super awesome writing tool for a long, long time. But it got to the point where it was taking more than it was giving. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, eventually I uh, had a friend call me one day because I was down in Chicago writing with them like, a couple years later after this. And uh, they just reached out and they told me, they, like, you know, like, we're not worried about you can really toss them back, Steve. Like, are you OK? Like, what's going on? Because we love you, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that night I just decided to quit. That was like the catalyst for me. I had tried a couple times before yeah. that and I wanted to, but that was really it. And then that was Easter Sunday of two years, almost two years ago, 2021. Wow. So, yeah. That's a good friend. Yeah. Yeah, my God. Yeah. Like I think about that phone call all the time. Yeah. I broke down. I was alone in the studio. Yeah. And yeah, I bawled and I was like, this is it. Like tomorrow's the day. Yeah. Like how many friends have the balls you know, to call their friend up. Yeah, your real ones. Yeah. Like the people that care about you the most. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll tell you. And that's, yeah, something that music has given me so many, if not all of, besides my parents and my sister, your the best ones. people in my life, like my, my family, like they've, they've put men around me that are special dudes, uncommon yeah. amongst uncommon men, those kind of dudes. And, um, I'm so grateful for that, you know, if nothing else happened, but I got all these amazing friends and basically brothers. Yeah. Like that's so worth it. You know, yeah. Such a great gift. But yeah, LA was fun though. Like yeah. <laughs> not to be down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, I would just drink and get drunk at night sometimes, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink a little too much here and there for sure. But, uh, wrote a lot of awesome songs with my buddy Colin and got really close with him over that summer. Colin was a producer in LA he's done bands like or he's done work for like Hollywood Undead and I think he worked on some Newfound Glory stuff and did State Champs dope State Champs yeah Sick. yeah he produced them nice and uh he had an awesome studio would let me record there and wanted to and that's where I started singing again for the first time in nice. forever and where I yeah I grew so much that summer that's sweet like dude. it was the best thing for me that could have possibly happened even though I was broke as hell yeah and um it's la everyone is yeah 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 and it was just uh it was an amazing it was i just yeah it was what i needed at the time and thank god it happened and uh 
yeah, thank God for Colin too, because yeah, he um, helped me find, again, it sounds cliche, but my voice. And uh, we would just go to his studio some nights and just crank out songs if I had anything to record and he had a free night. And yeah, then we go back to the apartment and hang out. That's sweet. Awesome, but man. He's an awesome dude, like special dude. Yeah. And uh, so talented, so good at what he does, but like also like any artist or producer, self-deprecating and things like he's like, I don't know. It's I'm like, dude, it sounds amazing. What yeah. Are you talking about. That's a common trend for all artists or creative types. I feel like. Let me restart this one Here more time, on. and then. Uh, yeah, dude. I mean, it sounds like you got you got a lot of really cool people around you, and a lot of like a really good support group, which I think is super important, especially for dudes, because we we're not like super. We don't want to talk about our feelings like often, you know, No. and when we do, um, it needs to be around people that we like fully can trust and we think that we're safe with, you know, so I'm really happy for you that you have those people in your life that are willing to even just call you and be like, yo, you know, stop or chill. Are you good? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so. super special. And like, yeah, just that moment is one I'll never forget. Yeah, for sure. Why don't we, um, Let's wrap this up and just talk about real quick what you got going on now. So you told me before we started here that you like, do you have a deal right now? A writing deal? Or did uh, you have a writing no, deal? No, I did two years ago. Okay. And then um, that contract ended. And okay. ever since then, I've been independent. Nice. But still maintained all the relationships I have with all the people that I met um, throughout that. So yeah, Tom Carrillo actually used to work. The guy from my first band. Yeah. Like one of them, rather. Yeah, he's like the like he was the head of this label that I helped build. Nice. And the publishing company that I helped build. So I still work with a lot of my friends, like Tim. I work every day with. But dope. Um, yeah, I had a I had a publishing deal for a year. Yeah. Worked my ass off. Um, but this last two years, I've been balancing writing as much as possible and still keeping up with all the music, jobs, and like all my friends and as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Still treating it full time. But then also um, working full time as well, just to keep money coming in and yeah. uh, make sure I'm not out of balance. Because when I was writing full time, especially when I had that publishing deal, yeah. I started to hate music mm. because I was blaming it for not giving me the things I wanted uh, that weren't its fault. Yeah. So I realized that having that publishing deal, um, that like I don't. It was also just a high level of stress that year for me too and trying to get all these things off the ground at that once mm -hmm. and it was tough so now uh yeah i have a studio with tim um we have a project together called four giants which nice. just released our album yep and Congrats. Uh, I, yes but we tim and i tim actually still play or rather tim's in a cover band too so we try to get together as much as possible but the summer's been tough but um we still work together like every day dope on stuff and uh, we've done everything over the last like 10 years or so together or more, 15 years together, which is crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Like half of my life. We're getting when, old, bro. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, when you meet somebody in eighth grade, that's a long yeah. time ago. Um, but yeah, Tim and I have done everything from like films together, like for a long time, especially with like that publishing deal. We were doing a lot of like sync stuff, which is uh, music for like ads. Yeah. So like but good clients like we did an ad for coke or i did an ad for coca-cola dope and we had like a lot of that work we've yeah. done a lot of that and hustled that and kind of got pulled into it not even trying to get pulled into it cool. but it just happened 
but yeah, um, so I do that with Tim and like we work together all the time. But yeah, right now my time is mainly like nine to five job. And yep. then as soon as I'm off, especially on the weekends, I still get my 40 hours plus a week um, and put out the projects that I'm most passionate about or like work on the things that I want to work on now yeah. that it's not my job to work on it. Right. You're doing so it because my, you love it. Yeah. 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 And I wanted to love it again because I started right. to hate it and for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So now I have less time, mm-hmm. but my time is even more valuable. So I have to really be careful and really thoughtful of how I use it and what I can take on realistically. But it's starting to get to the point again, luckily and fortunately, that I'm starting to get enough projects with music to where it could be full time again Dope. just throughout me, like my personal friendships and relationships. But that's what I do. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's f- full time in songwriting still, but not traveling as much as I used to. And yeah. Just because I have just different goals and I'm doing things a little bit more strategically now yeah. versus just flying off the cuff and just going everywhere all the time and yeah not thinking it through so well definitely don't stop dude because a lot of those especially dj types right like diplo and them didn't don't they didn't they like have a really long journey to actually like signing big deals and shit wasn't he like 33 or something 35 yeah, yeah like most of the people you see quote unquote quote unquote blow up overnight yeah like it's not an overnight thing yeah you know, it's unless like you're like an industry plant, like 18 years old or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Unless you've been like farmed. Right. Yeah. Up in it, <laughs> yeah. you know, forever. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like most of the people who have longevity in music just sucked for a long time. Yeah. Did shit like and just didn't give up and right. just outworked people, mm-hmm. you know, and could just continue to have that drive. And they, you know, they live it. Yeah. versus you know flash in the pan people where they come and they go like if you're really about it it'll it'll reward you yeah for sure no matter what you do but especially with music yeah it's if you got to really love it to stick with it you know for as long and endure the ups and downs because there will be tons of them if you want to really make it your career always is for any journey right any journey there's ups and downs if you're following a passion more so than like going to school and like trying to get like a normal nine to five job or whatever that's pretty easy but like doing the stuff that you want to do yeah there's gonna be ups and downs yeah there's no guide right there's no book you can read yeah that's gonna get you there there's no four-year degree right you know you like you get it by learning it and on the job and doing it and seeing what works and what yeah. doesn't and it's always changing which is exciting about it. Yeah. It's never going to be the same as it was, you know, 10 years ago, if you could have told me this now is how music works and this is what your new goals are and this is what you have to focus on. That'd be insane to think about. Yeah. Right. Um, just like, yeah, you'd be like apps on your phone. What do you mean? Like all I do is text. Like I have pick messaging. Right. You know, I got to message people on MySpace, dude. I have to like log on to my dial up computer and do this shit. Like, (laughs) What do you mean? It's on my phone. Yeah, so but, uh, to round this out, um, I normally ask three questions at the end of every podcast. Yeah. Um, so I guess when it comes to your music, let's focus on that. What's the biggest goal that you have for like the next upcoming year? Because we're almost to the end of this year. What about next year? Man, on the spot. Um, just being in a position to dedicate more time to it because I know that's lacking in my life. And when I've been able to be a full-time writer, I've never been more fulfilled and proud and, uh, proud to be what I love to do. Yeah. You know, a writer and a producer. So that's what I'm hoping to achieve. Sweet. You know, obviously 
the songs have to be successful. The work has to be good that you do yeah. to get there. But balance, like having that balance back because I was really, really happy doing it. And I'd mm. love to see what that balance would be like now Yeah, with who I am now versus who I was then. And having that time away from it, working full time at a nine to five job, like it made me appreciate what I had. Not that I didn't every day, but now even more, I value it. And doing what you love, if you're doing it right now, don't take it for granted ever and treat every day like it's Monday. Yeah. You know? Beautiful, dude. So that's that's what I hope to achieve in the next year is just being back full time. I love that. Because I'll be way happier. And good things happen when, you know, I'm able to create and be happy and I'm balanced. So Hell yeah, dude. But yeah, that's that's that cool. Love that. The second thing is is um and I'm not sure I I keep getting the same answer for this question. But I'd love to hear it from you. What are you willing to sacrifice to get that goal? That I haven't sacrificed already? Um, yeah. To lose my arm, I'll give up like a toe. <laughs> there you go. If it could be like physical or something. Um, so that's the answer that I keep getting is people say toes. What do you want? Just kidding. I'd be like, tell <laughs> me. What do I got to sell? Yeah. Like, what, part of, what part of me do you need? Um <laughs> You know, I'd say whatever I need to sacrifice to get to where I'm trying to go, but not compromising who I am. Yeah. Integrally. Like, I need to still be me. Yeah. And otherwise, I'll lose myself on the way to getting where I'm going. Sure. So, I've sacrificed a lot in the past. I know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And it, le it leads you to great places and it makes you who you are, but... There's ways to get there too now. Also, just being a 30-year-old man versus a 15-year-old man. Yeah. Like, yeah, you didn't have to do that, dude. You didn't have to, like, yeah, you, you probably could have got away with not doing it that way. Sure. Try it this way. There's a smarter way. But yeah, whatever. Like, I mean, I, I've given and I will continue to give music everything I have, you know, as much as possibly, as much as I possibly can to it because it's given me so much back. Yeah. And I want to contribute to it the way it's contributed in my life. So, yeah. That's Sweet, man. And you kind of answered the third question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. What are you not willing to sacrifice to get there? Yeah, I guess uh, if it was taking away more than it was giving, mm -hmm. even though it wouldn't ever do that, it's just my mentality of it. Yeah. Like say it was really making me happy. For me to walk away from it, I don't think I ever could because I feel like that's what I'm like called here to do yeah and um when i feel most at peace and just in the right place and at home but if there was ever for me to put it down i'd either have to like get shot in the ears or get my eyes gouged out yeah. or i could like, physically like, take my hands away i'll still probably find a way to do it yeah I'm sure i would hell yeah um but yeah if it was taking more than it was giving then i'd say i'd have to walk away but it's never done that so i don't know like, I just love it so much. It's why I wake up in the morning. And that's why I'm uh, one of the re one of the reasons why I'm here. And yeah. I want to continue to do it until the day I die. I never want to retire. I want to keep getting better. And yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's really what it is for me. Amazing, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to come and do this. Yeah. appreciate you and uh i hope you keep on that steady grind because i i feel like you're gonna blow up for sure so oh thanks man i, I hope you're right i really do yeah <laughs> uh, but i appreciate that man and like Absolutely. yeah watching you is inspiring too brother Thanks. and uh, i really 
and I'm not just saying that. I really mean it. And um, it's genuine. And you have so much respect for me. And I appreciate this, you know, uh, opportunity just to talk about stuff just because I don't really get to. Yeah. Like, again, as men, it's uh, kind of like, all right, just bite your lip and keep moving. Yeah. You know, and this is cool. It's uh, it's awesome. And I yeah, just, again, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about, yeah, the album and yeah, also just, yeah, life. For sure, bro. Awesome. Well, thank you. Plug real quick your stuff. Oh, um, yeah. Four Giants Official on Insta. If you search Four Giants on uh, Spotify, the album's called Ill Intentions. Just dropped. And um, yeah, I'd appreciate it if you check that out. Also, my personal um, pop page, like my songwriter project is just Stephen K on Spotify as well. Dope. And yeah. Cool. And I'll put all the links in the description if you're watching on YouTube too. Spotify, I'm not sure if I can do that, but I think I can, right? On Spotify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, Instagram yeah. or and Apple I or I Apple Podcasts. Sure. I only listen to podcasts on Spotify now, so okay. I'm not familiar with Apple, but Spotify for sure. All right. Well, yeah, we'll link it all down below. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, no problem. Sweet. Thank you. Dude, that was amazing, bro. I, I feel like I could have been better. So no, much better. No, no. Me and not you. No, that was great. Oh, there's so much.